How's it going, fellas? Hopefully everyone's uh, had a good week so far, ending the week right uh, with a really good podcast coming at you guys today. Uh, go check out all of our podcasts, all of our videos, both standard and our premium members. I uh, can see all those uh, videos that they're signed up for on runthepower.com. Uh, we also got a bunch of merchandise there if you guys want that. Um, and then obviously all of our podcast episodes are up there as well. So you guys go check out our website. This episode of RTP is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute is offering a spring ball special exclusively for our RTP subscribers. Between now and April 15th, the first eight subscribers of Run the Power who purchase a GoRoute system will be eligible to receive a $700 discount off their package or receive two additional units added to their package at no cost. All right, a $700 value. To take advantage of GoRoute Spring Ball Special, go to GoRoute.com and request a, qu- request a quote using the promo code RUNPOWER19 in the comments section. Okay, so again, uh, go to GoRoute.com, request a quote, and in the comments section, uh, enter the promo code RUNPOWER19. Uh, you guys can learn more at GoRoute.com, uh, email sales at GoRoute.com, or give them a call at 866-777-1448. Just mention us or run Power 19 uh, to get your discount uh, of $700. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. Throughout their expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com at info at sidelinepower.com by email or give them a call at 800-496-4290. This episode is also brought to you by uh, Guardian Caps. Both of our programs uh, at Broken Arrow and Ankeny invested in Guardian Caps this year and we feel that they are really helping our guys out. Uh, They're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and 1,000 high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley has to say about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, And they're actually a lot more affordable probably than you guys would even think. Uh, Go check them out at guardiancaps.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Adam Harvey. Coach Harvey is the DB coach, special teams coordinator, and head track and field coach at Legendary Steel High School in Cibolo, Texas. Listen as we talk with Coach Harvey about his coaching career in the state of Texas, how he mixes coaching DBs and special teams, and his favorite techniques and coverages when coaching his defensive backs. You can follow Coach Harvey on Twitter at Coach underscore Harvey 18. Hope you guys enjoy. I uh, grew up in Texas in a small town out in the Panhandle, South Plains, and, uh, you know, football was was always a part of life. Um, I was born in, in the late 70s and then just at three years old uh, was at the state championship 
<laughs> watching a cousin of mine play and then <laughs> some five years later watching another cousin play for a state title. And so uh, as long as I can remember, you know, the game has been extremely special to me. And, and uh, so going through throughout high school, um, I was kind of a multi-sport guy and, and, you know, dabbled with basketball and, and track and baseball and, and, uh, and, and obviously football with, in Texas it is what it is. But I, uh, I've just always been around, around athletics, but football, there's something special about it, man. And so uh, actually leaving college, I, uh, I got married at a fairly young age and I talked my wife into moving up to Indiana because I kind of wanted to just see if I, you know, would going to take another route with things. And so what better route uh, if you're going to coach basketball than move to the state of Indiana? It's kind of like Texas and football. So that's, that's right. Great. We uh, we did we we took off and went up there for two years and then uh, man I missed I missed the Texas high school football scene to be completely honest with you and so we moved back down here in 2005 and uh, been in the San Antonio area ever since and I uh, I spent eight years at a middle school uh, as a matter of fact at a at a private middle school and for the first four of those years they didn't have a football program so I was still kind of you know, lost, if you will. And um, we ended up starting a program there in 2009 and, and hung on to that thing for four more years. And then, uh, man, just fortunate to get this opportunity here at Steel High School, which is one of the powerhouses in Texas and it was open in 2005. So it's a fairly new school and uh, been there for six seasons now and, and uh, have had the opportunity to coach several D1 guys, FBS guys, Power 5 guys. And so it's been a lot of fun, man. And I, uh, I'm always looking to learn, always looking to get better and, and, uh, just can't, I can't say enough about what the game has done for me. And, and I hope to give back just a bit of what it's done for me. So. Well, coach, you, you talked a little bit about, uh, you know, Texas high school football and how it's different. And I think there's, there's probably a lot of people like, like me 10 years ago, uh, that, that probably roll their eyes cause they hear every Texas guy say that. Uh, and then I was actually fortunate enough to go to Texas, uh, play football and, and, I got to be around the guys and be around, high, you know, around the high schools that were in the Houston area, and and you you kind of just get it. I mean, once you're there and you've been to another place, um, and especially with you going to another state, Indiana, and seeing the difference. Um, but but for so many people, that I, I feel like they don't even understand uh, what some of these coaches or what some of these people are talking about when they're saying Texas high school football. So uh, can you kind of put that into a little bit of perspective? I, I know at least from, from my vantage point, because I lived in Oklahoma, which was, um, you know, probably a bigger football place than most. Um, but, but uh, you know, you go to Texas and it's just, it's like in, it almost like interweaved into the fabric of, of the community. You know, I, I went to my buddies, um, we're in college and I go back to his high school, um, you know, where he lived and, and where his parents lived, where he went to high school. And they had, um, they had like uh, figurines, like little ones they could buy at Walmart of their <laughs> of their uh, of their quarterback. You know, when he was at, when he was at South Lake, he he had his parents had a box of of ten figurines of of him being the the quarterback at South Lake that, that they had in their house, and so it was just a, on a whole new level. Uh, but but could you kind of describe what made it so different for you? And and uh, I love that you're on here because uh, you you have at least. You know, there's some guys that have only been in Texas, but you've gone out and seen kind of of the huge difference between that and other states. You know, I I think there is a lot of pride, and and I appreciate, Coach, you know, what you've said too. 
we we can easily be looked at as the the cocky ones, so to speak, and the only ones that know the game. And that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, I, before I I go in to answer your question, I'll preface this with spending some time at the AFCA conference here in San Antonio just a few weeks ago, and um, man, hanging out with guys uh, like Brady Gravold, who I know you guys have had on, and mm-hmm. Tony Schiffman. You know, those two guys out in the Midwest. Um, you know, and others. There, there. Keith Grabowski is another one. There's just so many guys that I've met across the country, and and football is football. And you guys do, like I said earlier, do just a fantastic job. And you know, I think really to answer your question, yeah. what separates Texas um, from everyone? And, and I haven't been to Florida, and I haven't been to you know California, and and those two are usually the other two that are closest in argument. And then there's Ohio and you know, Georgia, Georgia's got a, some good high school football as well. But it, it's exactly what you said in the figuring, you know, mindset. There, there's just – it's a way of life here, you know. And mm-hmm. I grew up – I grew up in, a, in an area <laughs> I'm telling you, man, there's cotton, there's beer, and there's football. And so, <laughs> you know, if, if you don't want to be a farmer all your life, or if you do, you still play football. And, uh, you know, and, and there's – even then, it was dry. You know, our, our county was dry. The closest big, quote-unquote, big city is Lubbock uh, to where we grew up. And then literally the next metropolitan area is Dallas, which is five hours away. And um, when you could only go 55 miles an hour and not, you know, 70 on the interstate, you're looking at <laughs> six and a half, seven hours. And so we were out in the boondocks, man, out in the desert. And, uh, and it was – it really was. It was just a way of life. I cannot tell you how many – you know, games in the snow. I mean, when it snowed, you know, you had a couple of guys that might get four-wheelers with sleds out, but the most of us were playing football in the snow, whether it's in somebody's front yard or out in the park, you know, and then it's 110 degrees in in the middle of June and July, and we're playing football, and then it's 12 o'clock at midnight, and my best friend and I are up at the tennis courts throwing the football, you know, and so it was just, that was just what we did, man, And, and I feel like Texas in in general, as big as the state is, that's it's just a way of life. And that's the only way I can put it into words, Coach. I I could sit here and tell you all this and that and everything else. And and like you said, until you experience it for yourself, my words are are just up against anybody's. And I know there's athletes everywhere. You know, and Texas is bigger, everything is bigger in Texas, we all say. But it's uh it truly is a lifestyle and I think that's probably more than anything what separates us from the rest of the the field so to so to speak yeah i i completely agree with you and that and that was always the thing that kind of stuck out in my mind like you said there's great football players there's great football being played everywhere and in every little small town across the country but uh man it's just uh it's a really really cool atmosphere to be a part of i think we i went to a small little private school game uh in houston and it was packed stands and and everyone in that little you know private school community in houston which we couldn't hardly sell any games out at the University of Houston, but they were selling out those uh, little private school games, you know, even even in the city. So it was kind of a cool deal. And then the other thing I learned was uh, Texas, everyone loves Texas, but even more than that, they love the part of Texas they're from. Uh, and, and they'll argue for that, especially all my East Texas guys. I learned all of that really quick. Uh, That's not the same as Dallas, which is not the same as Houston. And then the West Texas guys that came in, it was uh, – all its own little state almost that's exactly right man you know like you got uh the beast texas with the hashtag on twitter now <laughs> that's right that's right you know, 
yeah it, it's uh it really is and you know down here in san antonio it's funny because you know there were there were three guys on the on the la rams uh from the san antonio area and and uh it was kind of a big deal, the San Antonio news. You know, hey, Dallas and Houston, we got we got good football down here too. We got three guys on one team here fighting for the world championship. You know, and so it it's fun. It's uh, you know, we're all competitors, and as you guys are, and, and again, that's that's all over the place. If you're in this sport, you better be a competitor. And and uh, on top of that, you know, it's fun to take a little pride and ownership and and where we're from. And you know, I like I said, I grew up kind of on the other side of the state, really, and uh, now it takes my family about six hours uh, to get here or me six hours if I'm going out there. And hmm. So that's a, that's a good trip, man. You know, when, when we were living in Indiana and, and we traveled quite a bit with, with the basketball program that I was coaching and, you know, you, you drive two and a half hours and you've drive, driven across four States. Yeah, that's you're, right. <laughs> you're not even, you know, you're not even a, a 16th of the way across the state here. So <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of neat. It's fun though. You know, it's uh like, like we said before earlier in the conversation, it's a way of life and, and there are different ways of life in our state. You can take pride in the different styles of football. And, and it's, it's, it's pretty cool because, you know, Mike Leach is a great example too. When, when Spike Dykes, and I'm a, I'm a Red Raider, so when Spike Dykes was around, you know, every high school from really Abilene West minus probably El Paso, you know, running power eye and, and, you know, grown man big boy football and then Mike Leach comes in and within five years everybody's running the spread right you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and getting after it with the air raid and I remember Lincoln Riley shoot Lincoln grew up 30 minutes from my hometown and and uh, he huh. went back and, and taught his alma mater the air raid and and they won state championship I believe in 2006 if I'm not mistaken several years after I graduated I graduated in 97 but uh Anyway, it's, it's, it's just fun, you know, and again, that's just the way of life. And so when you've got guys, you know, like Lincoln was, shoot, he was probably still a student assistant at the time. I, I don't know exactly when it all fell into place, you know, being a student assistant under, you know, Leach and that system and then going back and, and doing what he did, you know, at Milshew. And, and now all of a sudden they're, they're winning state titles. It's kind of cool to, you know, just to, to see all of that unfold. So. Well, I remember laughing at Lincoln Riley um, one year because we played against him. I think he was the OC at East Carolina. And uh -huh. we were really good at Houston that year, and they were supposed to give us a good battle and and ended up that year they had the same signals as we did because they both came from uh, Texas Tech with him and, him and Kingsbury. Yeah. And so stole a bunch of their signals that year, and we were like, oh, <laughs> these guys are idiots. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, next year they ended up killing us and then uh, obviously now he's uh he's doing what he's doing so uh i think it's obviously the real idiot was but uh it made me feel good for that one game anyways there you go shoot take, take what you can get man that's exactly I'm just, right. I'm just glad they finally got rid of the you know vertical set back pedal pass protection that oh, was my, my least favorite sitting and watching that when I was at Tulsa. I'm like, oh, man, I got to break this film down. I'm going to do this as fast as I can because it's just garbage to watch him do it. At least they got <laughs> yeah. rid of that at Oklahoma. Now they, they pass that like nor normal human beings. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they, I tell you, some of, the, some of the thought process behind a lot of that is just amazing. You know, the, the wider splits, too, is always something that I just – it was a hard time for me to wrap my mind around, but there's a – there's a little bit you can say about, you know, the way those guys think, but there's a lot you can say about the way those guys win. And yep. they just do, man. They, they find ways to win. You know, 
I'm a defensive guy, you guys. So that's when I'm sitting here talking air raid and talking great things about it. <laughs> but I tell you, they they do win. And and the and the cool thing too, and Lincoln has done a phenomenal job with this, is just how you know how that thing has evolved. You know, back to like a lot of twenty personnel, eleven personnel stuff. I was talking to my buddies. <clears throat> I would have loved to seen the Oklahoma offense from last year with Trey Flowers and what and what they were or Dimitri Flowers, excuse me, yeah. and what they were able to do with him in the backfield. Because I felt like that guy was the X factor. And you know, that, I mean, they started slow against Bama this year, and and then finally kind of got settled in when Kyler settled down a little bit. But I would have loved to seen that offense last year at Oklahoma go against Alabama because they were really really impressive. And again, going twenty personnel and. You know, it's the same same concepts. A lot of it is, but with the RPO added to it, and uh, you know, they've got a great running game. I I heard uh, heard them speak on the two back running game system last summer at San Angelo at the Angelo Clinic, and just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff that you know you wouldn't think from an air raid perspective would you know even be in their thought process. But they've done a good job of evolving with the game. So. Well, you've talked about clinics a, a few times, Coach, but um, uh, another – and I don't want to get stuck on just saying how awesome Texas is the whole time because I'm in Oklahoma now. But um, it just uh, – there's so many awesome clinics that go around in Texas in the offseason. It's unbelievable. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, like you said, you might have to drive 10 hours to get to the other – you know, to get to um, a few cities across. But um, all in Texas and, and so many unbelievable ones there that, that happen all through the offseason that – that you can learn and pick from, even from, like you said, AFCA this year. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I'm going to one this weekend. As a matter of fact, guys, a Lone Star Clinic out in College Station. And yep, I went there a few years ago. Oh, mm -hmm. I love it. That's probably my favorite. Um, you know, Coach Hardy McCrary, who coached defensive ends at Texas with Mac Brown when they won the national title. And uh, Coach McCrary is actually a – kind of a family connection his uh his nephew married my sister so I know coach McCray personally <laughs> such a a great guy so I'm a little biased for that clinic or with that clinic but I mean the guys that he brings in holy cow this weekend I get to you know listen to Mike Elko at A&M and then you know some of the things that they're doing which is pretty impressive I we, we're we're gonna where a kid just committed on Sunday to A&M, one of my corners. And uh, so maybe you'll be able to get, you know, get with that staff. And then, you know, Dave Aranda was there a couple of years ago, just phenomenal, phenomenal football talk. And then you get to network on top of that. You know, it's not a huge clinic. And so being able to network with a lot of guys across the state and even really across the country because there's a lot of college coaches. I know Jeff Banks and Carl uh, – Scott, both from Alabama, are going to be there this year talking, you know, cover seven and then Banks talking special teams. So that's both right up my alley, too, with special teams that I do at Steel. And um, you're exactly right, man. It's, you know, I only have to drive two hours for that. So thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. I went to the one with, I think, with Aranda. Uh, he was there. Uh, the Georgia Tech offensive line coach, I think, was there at the time. He spoke on the last day. But um, it was it was an unbelievable one. There's there's no doubt. I'm I'm jealous of you this year. Yeah, man. I'm excited. Really excited about it. Coach, you talked about kind of that you know way of life and 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 winning down in Texas, and that's definitely part of the the steel culture. I mean, you know, I've I've followed a lot of you guys seasons from afar and and know the success that you guys have. You know, what are some of the principles that your guys' programs kind of built on? And maybe you can just talk defense or you can talk whole program or or special teams but I know you guys have have won 
and uh, the, the program's been developed for a while. And I think, you, you know, maybe you, you've had some coaches move on to, to go do some other things and it, and it hasn't skipped a beat. Yes, sir, man. I, I tell you, I've, I've got to start with a guy that started it all. And, and Mike Jinks, who's now the offense or the running backs coach at, at USC. Um, you know, he, he left still and went to Texas Tech under Kingsbury and then got the head job at Bowling Green. Unfortunately, was was let go this year, and but picked up at the uh, at University of, S- of Southern California. Not a bad gig there. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but man, what a what a motivator that guy is, and, and just the backbone of of what we do. You know, he like I said, he started it in two thousand and five, and then was there, won the state championship in twenty ten, and we had a pretty decent running back that year named Malcolm Brown who would have gotten quite a few carries, whatever was wrong with Gurley, I don't know. But, uh, you know, Malcolm would have been there, and, and he was the backup to, to Todd Gurley and was just a, an absolute beast, both on and off the field. And then uh, not to mention that year on the defensive side, there was eight Division One players, you know, led by guys like Jordan Stearns, who was all Big 12 safety at Oklahoma State and Ryan Simmons also an Oklahoma State signee that played middle linebacker and was just phenomenal in the back there was the Hewn brothers and one ended up going to uh, UTEP and the other one just landed at Abilene Christian but would have been at UT and ended up tearing his ACL and just some phenomenal football players and then you know there some of their little brothers come through and, and you guys probably saw Caden Stearns come off the hoof this year at, at UT and you know, was an All-American uh, safety as, as a freshman. And, uh, again, I've signed six FBS guys in the last two years. And so we've just been able to regurgitate a lot of great athletes. But I tell you, above all that, uh, our culture is phenomenal. When I got to Steel, um, <clears throat> it, was, it was really good. But as you mentioned, it just hasn't skipped a beat. And, you know, we've gone through – the school has gone through three coaches, Coach Jinx and then Coach Lindhoff, who is now still within the district. He got the athletic director's position, and and now Coach David Sons is is at the helm. And and uh, you know it's just been you know kind of one of those things that we haven't changed a whole lot. We'll tweak things here and there, and we always want to evolve with the game. We want to make sure that you know our culture stays um, stays active and doesn't become you know stagnant. And so. Uh, through all of that, uh, we've we've just been really fortunate to have great kids, obviously athletically, um, but also that have bought in and do right in the classroom, do right in the community. Um, we've got great community support, you know, um, as if it's anywhere, you know, people get, get spoiled. <laughs> so, but I tell you, our fan base has been been wonderful, and I just can't say enough about you know our administration and the way they support us you know, at central office everywhere. It's just, it's a, like I said earlier, it's a way of life here. And, and that's why we've been as successful as we've been. And so, um, you know, just yeah. building things and one by one and brick by brick, so to speak, uh, it started back in 2005. And the reason it hasn't skipped a beat is probably because, or definitely because of buy-in, both with the coaches, the players, and, and the parents, administration, and the community. And so we, we've got that, and, and that's one thing that we'll continue to move forward with because we found success through it. Coach, what, do, what are some of the things you guys are doing kind of, you know, defensively? I know, like you said, you've, you've, you've had the, the opportunity to have some really, really good athletes in the secondary. Has that allowed you guys to play, you know, more man coverage and lock people up? 
or is it something where you're still going to try to be pretty multiple, confusing QBs, or are you just going to say, hey, we're going to line up, we got dudes, we're going to let it roll? It's a great question. You know, we've traditionally been a cover two team, and, and we've really stayed in that majority of the time. A lot of times, you know, we, we can run a little bit more man, but we'll, we're doing a lot more match than we are just straight up zero. We'll run more match stuff. Um, you know, when we go three by one, we'll do a lot of, you know, sky and cloud and that type of thing. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to sit into a conversation with, with Coach Herman, Tom Herman, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And, and you know, he was had just watched film of, of that corner I was telling you guys about earlier that committed to Texas A&M. You know, he mentioned the running cloud to the field. And, uh, and, you know, we've had athletes where we can do that, maybe even trap the corner over there so he can kind of really read, you know, two to one rather than one to two, which is a lot of times what we do. But, you know, one of the things that, that we've been pretty fortunate to do, and, and, and we teach it at a very young age, a lot of people look at our athletes and say, well, shoot, of course you can play press. But we'll press the mess out of people. And the reason we do that is we feel like high school – even the better ones, and, and we've played some pretty good receivers, and some of them can get off the of press. <laughs> so Garrett Wilson, is one of them. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, and and some of those cats can do that. But we've just been able to 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 really stay in what we do and not become too complicated. Um, but if we need to go man up, you know, and, and and run some zero or one, we can do that as well. So I think I think to answer your question, it's probably a little bit of everything. The multiple part is definitely part of the game. And with RPOs and everything going on these days, you better be multiple. You can't just sit back there in one coverage and expect to be successful for four quarters. Uh, but one of the things that, that you know we've able, been able to do is is kind of utilize our linebackers, you know, in our coverages and, and keep two on the roof the majority of the time, and whether we're in quarters or halves. And then, you, you know, just utilize our, our corner athleticism and press, press the mess out of people. And, and, again, high school kids, for whatever reason, we've found in our studies do not like to press. So we're going to press you and we're going to make you uncomfortable. If you beat us, hats off to you. Coach, do you guys see uh, many up-tempo teams? Uh, I know there for a while it was a it was a big a big deal, you know, up-tempo. We're going to try to get as many snaps as we can. I just, I'm not sure uh, in that area if that's if that's still a thing, or even if in that area it ever was um, a, a thing that you guys saw very much. Yeah, uh, a little bit of both. I would say that you know we have seen them, and we were when we were really really rolling, and we went to state in 2016. We were. Um, and this is not a shot at anybody in our area, but we were having a hard time scheduling games. And so hmm. when that happens, you end up having to schedule the Lake Travises and the DeSotos of the world. And we played DeSoto in back-to-back -back seasons in the regular season. We met them when McLean opened up at Baylor. We met them, uh, what year was that, 2014, I guess, and then played them again in 2015. And then 16 and 17, we played Lake Travis in this, basically the same week. And so, you know, DeSoto – with the athletes those guys have holy cow that's right <laughs> yeah yes. i mean they were trying to get as many snaps as they possibly could and and uh and and lake travis did a really good job of mixing up more of their tempo stuff they're you know just they had athletes too for obvious reasons uh, the first year we played them that may have been the best high school offense i've seen they ended up winning state that year mm. and um you know they had Malik Barkley in the backfield who ended up going to Arkansas. The Garrett Wilson kid I just mentioned was a sophomore that year. He's going to Ohio State. Their quarterback is at Ohio State. I mean, Hudson Card is going to go wherever he wants to go. They they just had so many cats. 
had their, their tight end is now at Texas. I, I can go on and on. And, uh, and they did a really good job of mixing that tempo, you know. And so within our, within our district, um, you know, we've, we've got Judson and we've got Smithson Valley. And, and if you guys know those two names, I'm sure you know Judson for sure. And yep. Smithson Valley's been good too. With Coach Larry Hill, he does a good job. Um, you know, so we'll see some of those guys that will kind of mix tempo in every once in a while. It was really heavily more when Bryles was still around. Sure. Kind of like I was saying earlier, everyone trying to emulate what's working. You know, and and it's slowed down quite a bit as of late. We've seen more, you know, more twenty personnel, eleven personnel. And I tell you, the team that gave us fits this year did a lot of shifts. There wasn't really a whole lot of up tempo. They would rush to the line and then shift, or you know, shift everybody all over the place just to try to confuse us and try to outflank us. So we've seen a lot more of that over the last couple of years too. Is that a a tough transition for you guys? I'm going to assume you see a majority, like you said, eleven, twenty personnel. So when you guys do see a um, a team like I think a few years ago we played um, Trinity. So when you see a team like Euless Trinity that comes in and and gives you a lot of different formations, I I remember our defense guys were scouting them and it was whatever like ninety or a hundred different formations they gave out of you know ten twelve different personnels um, with so many teams being eleven twenty ten personnel and some tempo. When you do finally get you know, the, the, the seldom team that's either uh, whatever, wing tee or it's um, big personnel like a, like a Euless Trinity. Is that something that, that you guys have to, to look at um, maybe even a little bit earlier than normal because it is uh, such a different scheme than, than maybe you traditionally see throughout the year? You know, fortunately, we, we really haven't. And, and uh and that's a good thing. I, I'm trying to answer this as professionally as I can. Okay. <laughs> we, we've been able to, to rely on our athletes is what I'm trying to say. I got you. I, I hate to be that way because it's – No, not, it's, those offenses, it's true a lot of times. Yes, sir. Those offenses are, are, are pretty stinking good. And don't get me wrong, they give us headaches. And so I think that's really what you're asking. There's some things that, you know, you've just got to be able to – and it's alignment. I, I don't know. I was looking at a poll on Twitter the other day, and I don't even remember where it was, to be honest with you guys. But uh, it was basically, you know, what's the most important thing defensively, as you defensive coaches would say. And alignment was one of them. And I, I kind of studied that question quite a bit. I ended up going with tackling. Um, but, hmm. shoot, if you don't align properly and you get outflanked pre-snap, good luck. <laughs> you don't, and there may not be anybody to tackle because you're going to have, you know, people running for days and and uh and so there's some things you know one of the the things that I think about often and we see a team we've seen a team quite often in the third round of the playoffs um you know there's kind of the an ongoing thing with the the valley the Rio Grande Valley and and being able to play San Antonio teams and some of them have come up really close to beating them you know beating San Antonio teams but just haven't quite done it and you know, but they'll get into, you know, slot T, flex T, wing T, and a lot of nasty, a lot of unbalanced. And, uh, man, it's tough. You know, I, those those games do scare the snot out of me because, like you said, we just don't see it as often. And so, um, you know, luckily we don't have a ton of those in our, in our district. And so um, the one team that did run it in our district that actually dropped to 5A and ended up going to the state semis because a lot mm. of, I think, kind of what you're saying, a lot of right. people – didn't really know how to line up to it. And they had athletes, don't get me wrong, but they, mm-hmm. they did a great job of outflanking folks. And when you, you know, when you kind of run those type of offenses that aren't 
aren't the status quo, so to speak, you can catch people off guard quite a bit. And so we've just been fortunate. Again, it's a tribute to our kids, not a, not a knock on the coaches that we've gone against, that we've had athletes that have just, you know, if we got a two-gap player, sorry, not anything's going to work. Good luck. And we've had two-gap players inside that are just monsters. And sure. so – that's kind of where we've we've run against those you know slot T flex T type teams, and we've just been fortunate because we've had dudes that just blow it up before it even gets started. Well, coach, uh, another thing we got to go down to Lake Travis, me and the head coach, uh, a few years ago, um, and, and kind of you know just for a day or it was a few hours to kind of you know talk and learn a little bit from them. But um, one of the really cool things we picked up from them, and and not something we'd probably ever be able to do at our school, but. Um, they do, I think, like a block scheduling, or at least they did at the time, I believe. And so it was like, whatever it was, in essence, it was block scheduling, but every first block was always football. And then they always had after school football, or maybe it was last hour football. I can't remember. But anyways, they basically had uh, two-a-days all throughout the year. And, and so whether that was full practice in the morning or not, I think they ended up doing special teams or, or different things throughout the year. But uh, it just struck me of just how much more football they could get in uh, than a team from Oklahoma anyways. Is, is that something that happens often throughout the state or is that just kind of um, a, a special few uh, places that are able to do that? Man, that's everywhere. Uh, that's everywhere. It is. So the, the University Interscholastic League, which is the, the Texas governing body of extracurricular activities, they have teamed up with the Texas High School Coaches Association to make those type of things happen. And I tell you, I'm going to brag. I'm going to brag on Texas for a minute. So if you want to roll your eyes. You <laughs> but I tell you, going back to your your question earlier, Coach, that that is another thing that makes us so special. Is we, our Coaches Association is just – it's next to none, man. It's phenomenal. And the way that – that are, are – I mean, we've got athletic directors as part of, of the UIL, Inter, University Interscholastic League, so I'll go call them UIL. So the UIL has, uh, I think, four, at least three athletic directors. They've got the senior athletic director. Her name is Dr. Susan Elza, and she's wonderful. And then um, former coaches that are underneath her as, as assistant administrators in the athletic realm. And so they'll go and team up with the Texas High School Coaches Association which has its, I mean, it's its own entity and, you know, 15,000 members strong or whatever it is. And so they've just really been in conjunction with the, you know, the Texas Education Agency, the TEA, and, and been able to just keep, keep that alive. And so, for instance, at Steel, we have athletic period right before our lunch. And so we'll, we'll go a 50-minute period during that time, and we get 10 periods of practice in. And so when we get those 10 periods of practice, we'll do some special teams emphasis. We'll do some seven-on-seven pass-hole emphasis. And then we actually do some 11-on-11 to end the thing. And so um, our, our bigs, our trench workers, we call them, you know, whatever, are inside lifting for four of those 10 periods. And then they'll come out the last six and, and get some NDN, and then we'll go, we'll go all out. And, you know, while they're inside lifting, we're doing a special teams emphasis. And then we start pass-hole as they come out to start their indie work. And so uh, that 50 minutes is, is just phenomenal for us. And then we can come back and do our, you know, our after school practice once they're done with the school day. And so it's just been one of those things that's worked for, for everybody. And, and we've had the, the people in place to kind of, you know, keep, 
continue that and can keep it, keep it going. It's cool to have the support for that too. I mean, you know, a lot of places, obviously, you know, they, they think you're, you're taken away, but you know, the philosophy of it, I think is phenomenal. If you're talking about developing the entire kid, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, let kids kind of follow their passion, let kids that, you know, want to be in PEs and, and get after it physically. You know, it's, it's not just about academics, you know, Hey, I, I get it. Academics, super important, but at the same time you have people who their passion is athletics, or maybe it's something they want to do. So I, to me, that's the coolest thing to hear the stories in Texas of how, you know, people do want to develop the entire kid and they put their, their money where their mouth is. Absolutely, man. And, and, you know, kind of in the beginning with, with my introduction, I, I can't tell you how, how much the game has meant to me, you know, and, and not to get all sappy, but it is true. I mean, you've got kids that some of these guys don't have father figures. I didn't, I didn't have a, a biological father that, you know, that was around. My stepdad was great and, and he was, um, he was there and I consider him a father figure, but you know, he was kind of, he pointed me to athletics and the football. And so what if he wouldn't have been given that opportunity? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I mean, I'm sitting there thinking about all the guys that I was fortunate enough where, you know, my mom remarried and, and it worked out for me. But the way I look at it with that is my stepdad had the opportunity. So he said, look, you need to go play sports, you know, and, and, and that wouldn't have happened had, had that not been the case. Well, now, and not, a, you know, steel or wherever you can, you can go to any school um, with any socioeconomic backgrounds or anything, any of the demographics that you can point out and, and you can find kids that are fatherless. You can find kids that are, you know, aren't headed the right direction and what better way. I mean, we're coaches, so obviously we got a passion, like you said, but what better way to point them than, than the things that we teach through athletics and the things that we can teach them for 50 minutes longer, like you were saying, to make it important. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I could go on and on about just the things that I can tell a kid during the period because I see him midday. You know, he's had four classes and we're his fifth class and he may have had a worst day of his life. Well, if I haven't, if I don't get to see him until after school or furthermore, if I'm not even a, a school teacher there, if I'm working a nine to five job and then going to join up with him after school because that's what the school district has deemed, then that kid's never going to make first of all, I'm not going to have the relationship I'm going to have with him, but he, he may not have somebody to, you know, kind of get at him a little bit and say, Hey man, you got, you got the rest of the day, bro. Let's go, you know, and love him up a little bit. So just, that's a little thing, but I, I can't tell you how important it is to be able to connect with those kids and, you know, seeing them in the hallways and that type of thing is good as well. But, but that 50 minutes that we get with them and, and it's not just about teaching ball. In fact, we'll right around spring break. Uh, what we do is we take an entire week during our period, during our athletic period, and we teach leadership. And we'll we'll make, you know, coaches dress up, we're putting khakis and polo on, and, you know, we'll make them come in into a classroom setting and, and talk about goals, talk about life outside of football. And that's something that's very important to us. And and, uh, and, and we, we find that it's so important that we take an entire week to do it. And so, yeah, we do that during our during athletic period. It's a good thing. Yeah, that's that's uh, you know, Walls Walls talks about it, and and I know there are some some uh, there's some administrations uh, around the country that that don't deem it very important what a kid learns in academics or in uh, in in sports, uh, you know, as a part of their academics, and and to me, it, it man, that was that was uh, what a lot of me and a lot of my buddies. That's why we wanted to go to school was so we could play football, and I know 
plenty of kids that um, luckily in, in Oklahoma, and I'm sure it's in just about every state, but if you don't pass, you know, if you got any Fs, you're, you're ineligible to play that week. And I know of, of plenty of kids that have passed high school and, and got their degree in high school simply because they were in a sport and needed to pass their classes to play the sport. And uh, that, that got them a high school degree. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, well said that the getting into the whole kid, you know, and I think athletics is just a part of it. And we do, we preach student first and then athlete, but you know, if we're, if we're missing out on the importance of athletics then we're really missing the gist of what it's about. And you, you can, you can hear stories and you can see stories and, 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 you know, if you really pay attention to it, it's, I don't think you can make the argument that athletics is, is not near as important as, as what we even put the emphasis on. It really is. And so, you know, to, to be able to build discipline in kids and make sure the kids are, feel loved at the same time, and it may look different. It may not be the status quo of, or it may not be what everybody thinks it should be. But, right. um, you know, see the end product. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, <laughs> see what those kids happen with. What, and not all the kids make it. You know, we tell our guys to steal all the time. If, if it was easy, anybody and everybody would do it. And so we don't want to make it easy. That's not life. You know, life is difficult and it is hard. And so to be able to, to get this diploma and, and then go on and, you know, you don't even have to go to college. We're, we're not about just going to college. We want to make sure if you want to go push the broom, you're the best broom pusher that we've ever seen. And that, you know, that, that company is going to make sure that they're getting the best broom pusher that we could possibly get. And, you know, and that, again, that's the way we're going to approach things. And we're going to, we're going to make sure that we're mentoring those kids to be the best they can be in whatever they decide to do. Coach, you talked a little bit about, you know, like you said, taking a whole week out and, and talking leadership during that class. Um, I, I obviously, you know, it's an important thing, but I've seen it so many different, not so many, but I think you see easily at different programs that kind of slip away um, and, and not be effective. And then you see some programs that do it and it's extremely effective with their kids, that leadership program. I, I've been through, you know, and, uh, in college, different meetings that have been very good for me leadership wise. And, and I've yeah. gone through semesters where it was um, almost, I don't want to say a waste of time, but didn't get much out of it. So what are you doing or, or, or what are maybe some of your favorite topics? Or, but what are you kind of, what are you guys trying to do to make sure that, um, that you guys are getting the leadership qualities or, or the things out of that week that, that you want to get out of it? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, and, you know, I think it's just evolving with, with kind of the times and, and getting to know your kids, I think is first and foremost, the most important. And so mm. just share a little bit of how we, uh, how we kind of dictate it and break it up. We, we do this room by room. And so it's all position unit wise. And then I what we'll that. do, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll gather as a full team as well. So if we have a, you know, a guest speaker every once in a while, or, um, you know, we had, uh, you guys probably seen him on Twitter, Stephen Mackey, who does a phenomenal job with two words. He came out last year um, and spoke. And then we've had, you know, some other guest speakers just come through. And, and, and so we'll do it as a team then. But the majority of it is done in the classroom with our position groups and our units. And so, again, getting to know those kids and, and really harping on the things that you see because you know them um on what needs to be worked on and and where they where they're flourishing as well you know not just where they're where they're being challenged um but where they're doing well and encourage them in that you know i'm a believer in in always you know 
act on upon your strengths. You know, you know your weaknesses and you need to be aware of those weaknesses, but live in the strengths. And that's both on and off the field. And so we'll, we'll focus in a lot on that with my DBs particularly. And I can only speak for myself, but we've, we've got a, you know, I've got a huge manual um, that again has been, been there since the beginning of, of steel high school with coach jinx and you know there's the john maxwell and the 17 traits of a character you know of a leader and character traits and that type of thing and so um we'll we'll focus in on a lot of those things and hone in on you know what does the leader look like and and why do you believe that you need to be a leader and then furthermore how can we execute how can we help you be the leader that you feel like you need to be after you've already defined it you know what i mean so it's just a lot of vertical alignment and really setting setting the tone um, for not only the rest of our off season, you know, and, and what's going to happen in our locker room and, and on the football team, but also how they can make our school better and how they can make our our culture continue to be what it is. And it is phenomenal. I mean, you know, we have an unbelievable principal who it just she is a, a fireball. She's everywhere, and and you know we kind of kind of challenge our guys a lot to, you know, to continue on with what Ms. Cervantes has done and what she is doing by being that leader, because you don't want, number one, you don't want to disappoint her. And, and, <laughs> and then second of all, really, and, and most important, we want our football team to drive the school. You know, we believe right. that those, those kids are the leaders and, and yes. that's what we want. And so we just get them in that setting and, and really hammer down on those things. And, and it's been, really really cool it's a it's a lot of fun and then we we come out of that and go right into our boot camp phase so we run boot camp a little bit later than a lot of programs um you know right now we're in our first phase which is a long the longest phase and it's all pretty much weightlifting and with a little bit of flexibility a little bit of mobility and athleticism and then we're actually you know even talking a little bit of x's and o's here and there with obviously without a ball or equipment but um we'll go into that leadership phase and then we'll come out of that and do our our boot camp and so you know, it, it kind of there's a there's about a three to four week area right in there that, that we're testing their will. <laughs> and it's mostly emotional and mental, um, which is fun because that's, as you guys know, that's a huge part of of the game. Um, right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's something that we try to really try to harp on. And, and again, make it make it more about what what you're going to do in life, not just on the football field, what you're doing you know, presently at Steel High School, how are you being a leader? And then how's that going to carry over into adulthood? Because that's what we're about is raising young men to, that are going to be great citizens in whatever community they decide to live in. I like how you guys break that up by position group because, I mean, you're, you're kind of delegating the leadership. You know, it's not just the head coach talking to everybody. You know, it, it becomes all those different position groups now. Okay, yep, obviously the the – the position coach is going to be the leader of that group, but it also allows him to kind of hone in on some of the leaders within that pack. Absolutely. You know, I, I think it, it's, it's a way to kind of multiply the, the lessons that you're teaching. Everyone's speaking the same language, but it's coming from different mouths. So to you speak. got it. I, yes. I, think, I think your guys' system's really, really cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we, we love that, you know, and, and, I, I love this too. I think it was actually Coach Lindhoff a couple of years ago that, you know, kind of encouraged us, you know, to be nine units strong. And, you know, that was the point. And, and I do, I've, I've aspirations to be a head coach at some point really soon, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I love the fact that I can be a head coach right now. I could be the head coach of the defensive backs at Steel High School, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's the way we view it. And so that doesn't mean that we're, you know, 
separate or away from the rest of the guys. It just means that, you know, we have our own room, kind of like what you, know, you hear the college coaches talk about, having my own room. And we have that, and that's kind of the way we've set that up. And that's, and that's both film study and, you know, all of the above. So I get to know kids on and off the field and, and get to get after them a little bit when the, when the film is on. And, and then also, you know, be vulnerable with them and say, hey, guys, here's where I've messed up in life. This is where I want to teach you guys not to do the things that I did or that I have done or that I am doing, <laughs> you know. And so it's, a, it's just an ever-evolving thing. And to be able to be vulnerable with kids is something that I find extremely important. And, and that's, a, that's a way to do it because you're in with, you know, you're in there with them and you get to, you know, you even get to let them share. You don't have to be the one that shares all the time, kind of like you were saying about the head coach getting up there and sharing all of his ideas. You know, everybody gets to share their ideas, but that doesn't just stop with coaches. I mean, we allow kids to get up there. And in fact, I encourage kids and I'll, I'll give them an assignment. Hey, you got, you know, five minutes to get up and share about this particular topic and you better use every five, every minute of that five minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, you mentioned that it is a big deal right now, especially it seems like with uh, with Herman being in Texas, and I'm assuming he he got a lot of it from Urban Meyer. But uh, you know, I know in Urban Meyer's book that he talks a bunch about you know pride in the unit. I don't know if that's how he terms it, but I believe that's how Herman terms it is is uh, you know unit pride. And and I see their coaches tweet about it um, constantly. It seems like, uh, but but not from a, a fake. Um, not in a fake sense, but truly, you know, talk about unit pride. Uh, you know, I watched their tight ends coach always, you know, posting pictures with the tight ends and, and uh, you know, talking about tight ends that have went into the NFL and, and talk about that unit pride. And, and like you said, it, it's not like a, a thing. It's like us against the other units, but it's, you know, we're still a whole team, but, but, you know, we're, it's just a way to delegate down to this is our unit. And then maybe that unit has a leader and, and, um, you know, a lot of the principles that, that you see in a lot of leadership books, uh, such as like, you know, Jocko's, Jocko Willink's book that, that uh, me and Walls have both read, uh, talks a lot about being able to delegate down the chain of command and, and kind of cool to see that come to fruition with a lot of these big colleges right now. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I really like the setup too. And, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been really, really good because the kids, you know, love on each other and, and it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you kind of have your yoke bearing friends, if you will, those guys that you want to get in the trenches with. And, you know, if you were in an alley fight, they would be the guys you would want with them. And, but then you also have your guys that, you know, you, you love them and you're, they're part of your team, but you may not be as close with. And so I think that's a neat way to, you know, to kind of utilize the all and type deal. And, and then when you, when you're able to come together, and that's really what we're trying to preach in the weight room, you know, is that, hey, let's bring those nine units together and now let's go. Let's go to work, you know, utilize the things. And, and again, act upon your strengths. Kind of like I mentioned earlier, you know, we're all going to have, you know, the challenges. I don't like to use the word, use the word weaknesses, but we're going to all have challenges that, that we face, whether it's physically or emotionally and, and psychologically. But now let's put that stuff together and let's challenge each other. Let's keep each other accountable. Let's go. And that's where that's where it really becomes beautiful. And, and as you know, being a state champion, coach, uh, you know that's when it comes together, man. Is when your your team takes ownership of that. And it's not just the coaches preaching their philosophies, but it's the team that has taken ownership of something and then rolled with it. And that's really where we are and where we want to be. Coach, how do you get 
some of your guys, I mean, I know you're probably delegating on special teams as well. How, how do you get some of those guys to kind of take ownership and where do you put, you know, some of your other assistant coaches when you guys are, are implementing your special teams schemes and drills and practices? Yeah, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, we've kind of had to be better with the last few years. We, we, we've had some special teams blunders that have cost us games in the last couple of years. And, and uh, you know, one of the things to answer the first part of your question that, that I've really tried to, to get across to kids, um, and I shared this on the, uh, on the Inside the Headset podcast with AFCA, and um, I, I want guys to understand that, hey, it's a starting spot. You know, there are 88 different positions that you can start on a football team. And they're kind of looking at me like, what are you talking about, coach? And this is usually within my DB unit because I want those backup DBs who are pretty good football players, to be honest with you, especially the last two years since we've had, you know, the studs that we've had and pushing them to make them better. And and uh, they're kind of looking at me like, I don't understand. You know, there's only 22. And I'm like, no. You know, if you break it down, you've got obviously offense and defense makes you 22. And then you kick off, kick off, return, pump, return. PAT, PAT block. And so, you know, there's there's 88 positions on this team. Well, yeah, coach, but so-and-so is going to take four of them, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and you're right. They, he will, <laughs> you know, but uh, who's to say that you can't be the guy that maybe spares him, you know, and gives him a blow. And, and if that's that one play that you get in and you, have, you are a one-time starter, you know, that particular drive or whatever the case is, and own it and, and, and really make sure that you're ready when your name is called, you know, because what we're looking for is, is depth. And, yes, we're going to have the best 11 on the field. Bottom line, we are. But if we can have some depth with it, then the better off our football team is going to be. And so that's kind of one of the ways that we've done, done things with special teams. As far as coaches, um, you know, we're, we work well together and we've just been fortunate to, you know, when, when somebody sees a need, they jump in. And, uh, you know, we've kind of delegated here and there a little bit uh, more, particularly on kickoff return and, and you know, areas where things are spread out more and you can't really see a whole lot. Um, so we've delegated with some with that. But we've, we've got a great coaching staff that just comes in and, and helps out any way they can. And, you know, we've done some self-scouting in the last couple of years that, you know, we've kind of made some changes and we were much better this past year. And so, you know, just kind of all hands on deck type thing. And that includes players and coaches. If we got that, then we're going to be successful in that third phase. And when you're successful in that phase, you got a chance to win any ball game at any time. And so that's one thing that we want to make sure that we're doing. I feel like every coach thinks that they don't get enough time with their players or, or indie or, or group time, but I think probably a, a million times worse for a special teams coach. So it, it's always seems like to me with the really good coach, special teams guys is all about um, optimizing their time. Uh, with that being said, uh, do you get much meeting time, you know, pre-practice uh, with special teams guys, or is it something that you guys more have to do on the fly, have to break up and then uh, be able to, you know, with those breakups, be able to almost not install it on the fly, but install it uh, through practice, which I'm sure you don't get a ton of practice. Well, I guess you guys with, with two practices, you might have a little more time in that morning we, practice with it. We, we, yeah, we've put some emphasis on it. Like I said, yeah, and you said it in the morning practice, we've, we've put some emphasis on it. You know, the installs are difficult because um, of that meeting time. But what we've done is, is we'll have a meeting once a week as well. And 
kind of talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as installs or anything that we, you know, from previous games, and then also do do a scouting report on the upcoming game. And so that's helped our kids, um, you know, is, it, it, with teaching and, and whatnot. Again, I think, like I said earlier, with the all hands on deck concept, if if, if everybody is doing something, coaches included then it goes a lot faster and it goes a lot smoother and, and you just, you're able to see what needs to be adjusted. And so you don't have to spend, you know, tons of time, so to speak. However, we do spend about 30 minutes a day and we do, you know, we'll get after it. We'll coach wow. them up. Yeah. It's not just, Hey, let's get it. You know, here it comes special teams time, but it's really, <laughs> let's get after it and let's make sure that we've got this thing settled and, and ready to go for the week. And so, you know, we've, and again, some of that's my default. We've had to because we've made mistakes, and that's my fault. Uh, but we've uh, we've taken taken it to new new heights for sure. Coach, you got any uh, got any of your favorite blitzes that you like to do at the secondary? Do you guys get pretty exotic with that, or you guys? I know you'd said you're you're pretty multiple coverage wise. How multiple are you guys kind of with your pressures and stuff from the secondary? Man, we, we actually do not blitz from the secondary at all. And the funny story, here's a funny story for you that I mentioned him earlier. Uh, Eric Hewn, uh, he was actually prior to me. He, he was uh, at Steele in 2011 and 12. So I think it was the 2012 season, and they ended up losing to Katie in the semifinals that year, which was an unbelievable ball game uh, that I had a chance to go to. And uh, – so, Eric, we, there was a blitz that was very similar to a sky look. You know, the safety was scrolling down. And, and uh, man, he was just a bullet. He was one of those guys that would knock you stiff. And, and so they utilized him in a blitz uh, very similar to that. So kind of a late scroll. You know, they were scrolling on an indicator after they kind of had everything set up. And then Eric would come off the edge. And uh, he comes off the edge on this one play and is about – just to knock the guy out and the quarterback made a move and when he went to plant towards ACL and that was the last <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the last uh blitz from any secondary guy <laughs> I should say any any oh, safety man. we don't we don't blitz from the safety position so we to answer your question we don't do a whole lot every once in a while if we can catch you know if we can catch them in like a three by one to the field from the boundary you know, we'll do a corner blitz very similar to the one that Oklahoma ran in the Big 12 championship when they when they finally got at Ellinger. You know, great call by by yes. Coach McNeil. And uh, and uh, I remember that call because, you know, that's one of the things that – that's kind of what we do. We try to dial it up on, you know, on those given moments that we're not too worried about that receiver or or we just feel like our corner is an athlete and, and is able to do it. You know, if they set the back to the field and they don't have – you know, enough protection on that side, we'll send him off the edge. But we don't really get too exotic with it. Again, we're, you know, we're kind of old school 4-3, and, you know, we line up in it. We we try to just get after you as much as we can, and um, and we, we don't blitz a whole lot out of that. And, of course, you know, with the RPOs going on now, that scares the mess out of me to blitz a, a DB <laughs> and have, have a linebacker matched up on a slot somewhere. It just doesn't settle well with me. Well, well, Coach, we're coming up on an hour now, and, and uh, you know, kind of the last thing I always like to ask guys is, is when you're watching another team's offensive line, uh, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? Yeah, that's a great question. I've heard several times on your podcast. I'm trying to get some secrets, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. I'm always – well, well here's, here's where it kind of came from is like, you know, for three or four years, um, I'd always – and wrongly, 
and I've, I've kind of shifted out of this, but I've always been like, man, I wonder how, if people think I'm any good, what, you know, if people think I'm any good at, at my job, I want to be thought of as the best, you know, and, and all this. And I, and I've gotten out of that now to where, um, you know, I'm just trying to stay confident myself, do the best I can. But, uh, that's kind of where the question originated was, man, I, well, if, if I'm going to be thought of as the best, I wonder what everyone's even looking at. Like I'm looking at this, but what if, a hundred of a hundred coaches, none of them even care about, you know, this part. And, and they think I'm an, uh, an awful coach because I'm, you know, paying attention to this. They're all paying attention to something else. So that's kind of where, where it all originated from. Was no, it, you're being self. No, that's great, man. I, I love it. I think it's a phenomenal question. I'm not, I'm not bagging on you at all, man. That's a, that's one of the things that, you know, and that's guys, that's why I, I love talking to guys like you and yourselves and, and, uh, in fact, here in, in four minutes, as soon as I hang up, I'm going right on to get on on this new chat that I'm starting called the No Fly Zone Chat. You know? Nice. So, yeah, I'm hoping to get some receivers coaches on there, and we can go back and forth, and I can learn what they wanted to do too. So to answer your question, I don't want to leave you high and dry, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with something that I teach, and I find that it's most important to me, and that's fundamentals. And if the kid has great footwork, whether they're in low hat or high hat concepts. Great footwork is, is where I know that they're being coached up, you know. And so I, I think about Caden Stearns, and, and Caden was unbelievable. I mean, the athlete, the, the brainiac as far as just football IQ, he had it all. But one of the things that, that I asked myself after Caden's sophomore year and he came in and started for us as a sophomore and, and had a phenomenal year, you know, one of the things I asked myself was, how can I make that kid better? Because he's just unbelievable. And it went back to to the little things, you know, and, and you know, hand placement would be another little thing. And and but I, I always start with the feet, you know. And so if a kid has great feet and and he knows, you know, I'm gonna take this pass pro step and that dude's coming off the edge, or he may be setting me up and I'm gonna take a little bit smaller step, you know, if you can read that on on film and some of it you, you can tell and some of it you can't. But that's one of the things that I've always noticed, especially with your tackles. You know, if you got a good team that that's got two good tackles and, and, and they're showing a lot of high hat, you know, 10 personnel stuff and they're just great with their feet. I know they're being coached. And then if they can come back the next play and, you know, run the power <laughs> and come right at you with great <laughs> feet, keep their feet, in the, you know, underneath their hips and, you know, locking their hips out and really get an extension on it. I just feel like that that's something that they're really, really coached well on. And then of course, with your pulls, you know, make sure you get from point A to point B quicker than, than most other teams, you know, lacking the arcs and that kind of thing. When you're arcing to the next level, can you pick up a linebacker in the, in the open space? And I tell you that those little things like that is, is kind of what jumps off the screen at me. Um, you know, it's kind of like with quarterbacks and when they're watching progressions, you know, how, how quickly do they go through, through their progressions or how patient are mm -hmm. they? And, and, uh, and I, that's kind of one of the things with me when I'm watching – when I'm watching O-line guys, it's two things. And, and it starts with the feet, but then hand placement as well. Are they, you know, are they inside the pads? Are they really good at, you know, locking arms and, and that type of thing and then getting after people? And, and, and can they do both high hat and low hat, you know, equally well? And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. 
This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.